there? All right. All right, quiet on the set. Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a board member of Women in Film and Television Ireland, and I'm also a producer. The relationship between a director and DOP is one of the key creative forces in the process of making a film. For this online workshop, Women in Film and Television spoke with working duo, writer-director Una Kearney and DOP Eleanor Bowman about their creative process. Because this is a really special one. Um, I say it, I don't say that lightly because I think the focus is often on writer, director, producers, and we tend to forget that these are, okay, they're key creative roles, but there are many other crucial roles that we need to take some time and some space to analyze. And that's exactly what we're doing today. So we are going to tease out the working practice, the collaboration, the somewhat, from what I can tell, almost intimate working relationship between a cinematographer and a director. And the two people who are going to help us do this are two very respected names in the Irish industry. We have Eleanor Bowman, a cinematographer, and I have got to put my glasses on, not because I don't know your work, Eleanor, but because I'm so terrified, I will say, and, and some of you, the titles of your work, particularly one, and one of Una's are quite, you know, they're, they're unusual titles, so I'd be fearful I'd get it wrong. So the girl with the mechanical maiden, I don't know how many times I've said that, and I was fearful I'd slip up. Um, strong at the bro- broken places, dead meat, and much more. So they're just three. And Eleanor, I know you work across documentary and drama, so we'll be really interested in hearing more about that in a, in a bit. Una, a director whose work includes, and this was the one I was afraid I'd stumble on, Una, five letters to the stranger who will dissect my brain. I should know that in my sleep, but still <laughs> I was fearful I'd slip up. And obviously loads of other things, Women's Christmas Night, The Wake, and so on. Um, this masterclass is going to be led by a board member, our absolutely fabulous Yara Waldeck, herself a DOP. And I'm, I just think the conversation between the three of you, I'm going to slip away from uh, the monitor in a moment, but I will be listening with great delight. Uh, thank you, all of you, for being involved. Thank you for leading this, Yara. We're delighted that, you, uh, that you've decided to do that, that you do it for us. It's a really important event that we're all very excited about. Thank you all very much indeed. And take it away, Yara. Thank you very much, Susan. I don't know that I can top that. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for coming and joining us uh, for this masterclass. Um, uh, before I in- speak further about Una and Eleanor, I just wanted to say that um, I invite all of you to get yourself a drink. <laughs> We're going to take this uh, easy. We're going to have fun. And if you feel that, uh, you, you know, the Christmas cheer coming on and you want to have a glass of wine or a bottle of beer, go ahead. Um, I have decided to run this event because I would like to um, just discuss uh, the, the relationship be- between a director and DOP. It is a key creative um, relationship when it comes to making films. And uh, directors of photography <clears throat> aren't... Um, often included in discussions of who are the creatives, who are the people that make movies. So I've decided to invite uh, Una Carney and Eleanor Bowman, 
because I saw uh, a film that they shot together, Five Letters to the Stranger Who Will Dissect My Brain, and I loved it. I thought it was a, a masterful collaboration between the director and the OP, and I wanted to use um, their uh, working relationship and this movie um, as a basis for this masterclass. So we're going to talk about uh, how does a DOP and director, how do they collaborate and what is important when it comes to that relationship. If I'm going really red, uh, it, is, it is my beer talking. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, Susan did a, an amazing job introducing both, um, but I just wanted to say that a little bit more that Eleanor um, is, is a cinematographer based in Dublin. She works across fiction, documentaries, commercials, and music videos. Uh, she's an IFTA nominee, and she won several Best uh, Cinematography Awards. And actually, she shot our um, uh, winning film that we uh, awarded last week uh, at our showcase, uh, the Women in Film and Television Ireland Showcase. And that was a film called The Grass Ceiling. <laughs> so yeah, congrats, Eleanor. <laughs> Um, and Una, she's a freelance writer and director. She's got loads of degrees. Uh, and uh, she also graduated from the uh, National Film and Television School in London. She directed, wrote and directed nine award-winning shorts, uh, a TV pilot and a feature documentary. And her, this, this film, Five Letters to the Stranger Who Will Dissect My Brain, won uh, loads of awards. Best Director of an Irish Short at the 2018 Cork, film, Cork International Film Festival and loads more. Please go to her website and, and read up on her uh, and on Eleanor. Uh, welcome, <laughs> both of you. Thank you so much for being here. So, <clears throat> um, I wanted to start off the discussion with something really easy. So, my first question is to you, Una. Um, what are the qualities um, in a DOP that you look for when you're uh, deciding to, to uh, um, ask someone to shoot a film with you? Um, what it is that a DOP should be? Great. Um, so hello everyone, um, lovely to say hello. Um, for, for the work I've done, I think always, um, you know, I'm a writer director, so you've spent quite a bit of time probably developing the script and you're hoping it's at a stage where it's ready to share um, with what will be your, your key collaborator, collaborators, your, your, your HODs. And usually DOP is probably kind of right, right top of the list of the person you're going to connect with. I think DOP and editor really, um, after you've got your producer on board. So, um, you know, you're you're looking for someone. Um, well, first of all, whose work you like. So you're kind of always watching work and seeing their work. You're looking for someone. And um, before, if you if you're working with someone for the first time you haven't met before, um, you know, you'll you'll be familiar with their work in some respect, and it'll have spoken to you, and you'll have sort of analysed that. Um, but you'll also be looking for you know someone who's good to work with. So you know you probably because the industry is small, you talk to people and say you know that straight away you're going to remember that you know like you hear you hear that so they're kind of I suppose very um, straightforward things but kind of really important things and I suppose the other thing I suppose is 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 sometimes project specific you might be looking for something project specific I'm trying to think if that's true of anything I've done. 
um, maybe, you know, you might be kind of going, well, this has a slight kind of tone and feeling that like someone might come to the top of your mind ahead of someone else. Do you know what I mean? And sort of, and then you might be wrong with that instinct when you meet them, they mightn't respond to the script. So I think the next important thing is that if you send the work out, um, and certainly the first time I worked with Eleanor was on a previous project, Ihan Alignaman, I sent her the script, which was kind of quite experimental. Um, I'm even trying to remember had I sent her the sent it to her treatment stage before there was a script, but her response was fantastic. She was really excited by it. She kind of connected straight away with the vision of it. Um, was like yes yes and yes and so it was very easy actually to sort of start a kind of meaningful conversation and that enthusiasm when it comes you know, even might just be the speed of the email coming back you just feel an energy and that's what you want at the start of a project you want to connect energetically as well as aesthetically and socially and all of that so um yeah Wonderful. Um, and so now I'm going to turn it to you, Eleanor. Um, what is it about a, a, a script and a director uh, that makes you say yes to the project? What is your criteria uh, maybe for picking who to work with? And what are the questions that you ask to figure out if this is somebody you you can have a good uh, working relationship with? Um, I, I'm just now I'm like, oh, God. I'm thinking of all the emails I've been slow to get back to. I don't really mean anything personally. Personal vibe, please don't take it personally. I'm just all over the place. Um, scripts. I suppose it's got to be something that I can connect with. Um, like a script. I have to feel excited by it. Um, or there's something in it that moves me or there's something in it that I haven't seen before. Um, something that kind of inspires ideas um yeah they'd be the things I look for in a script in a director if I've seen their work before and um uh and I'm excited by it if I've um if I've met them and really got along with them um mm. or if they come to me and they have the script that they're really excited about then I kind of buzz off their excitement and mm-hmm. and want to know a bit more about it mm-hmm. Okay, and what if it's somebody brand new, you've never worked with them, and maybe they, this is their first time going um, for a short film? Um, if it's somebody that, so they haven't filmed anything, they haven't directed anything at all before? Yeah, I presume so. Has that happened to you before? Um, no, I think pretty much everyone who's contacted me with a, a script um, will have made something before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um although actually no that's not necessarily true um um uh Isolt, or Isolt, uh her right. documentary yeah she so she's an incredible uh, accomplished editor mm-hmm. and uh she came to me with this beautiful documentary that um that i just really wanted to be a part of straight away so that was mm-hmm. a kind of that but that's very rare that it happens it's it's usually mm-hmm. you know directors usually have some kind of real or some kind of project before they they approach me mm-hmm. wonderful and uh, so this next question is then uh, directed at both of you so feel free to to jump in and over each other if you want to um so <clears throat> When you when you decided that you were going to work together for five letters, um, like how did you start looking at the way you were going to portray it visually? What 
what were the questions that you asked each other to to figure out uh, uh, what it was going to look like? Like, did you share paintings? Did you share photos? Did you watch movies? Um, what is it that you did? So, so the, the prep, you're asking about prep. Yeah. Um, or like the know, initial questions, you know, how, yeah. how do you how do you draw uh, Una's vision out of her head to see it in your mind? Um, well, Una, Una called around to my house um, to discuss it and um, stayed, I think, for a day, <laughs> maybe 24 hours. We spent a lot of time just hanging out, talking to each other. Um, and she had a very strong sense of what she wanted to achieve with it. Like she she um, she really she had a like a really strong vision herself about about what it was she was making and the themes she wants to explore and um she came to me with references already things that she'd seen that 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 had kind of had an, an impact on her um so we looked at um our darren aronofsky's pie we looked at wings of desire um and we listened to music together to get a feel of of the the rhythm of it and the tone and the pace of it Mm -hmm. um and by the time una left i had a like a really good idea of what she wanted to accomplish like the the emotions that she wanted to convey mm -hmm. um and that was a brilliant start because then i could kind of get into my own head and 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 try and find ways to to uh to achieve what what, what she was feeling what she was thinking mm -hmm. wonderful and and you now what do you remember about that uh, that part of the process I'm, I'm trying to remember what, what I what I came to the house. Had I the script at that page? I think I probably did, like the actual 25-page script or version of. Because what's interesting about this project, I suppose, is that um began working with the choreographers and the locations. Like it was definitely set in Trinity, and that took a lot of time to sort of get a lot of permissions because anatomy is a very sensitive subject, and you're mm -hmm. dealing with, you know, the real bodies of people who died who are families who are alive so there's a lot of sensitivities and so um uh you know well of course i'd worked with eleanor before you know on eha and that had been a fantastic collaboration and we were both really happy with that so it was sort of i suppose that immediately that allows you to turn up on someone's door and stay for the day yeah <laughs> uh, without getting sick um but i guess yeah I, I mean we've probably been emailing back and forth a bit and i'm trying to remember because you know there's a lot of i have a lot of folders i take a lot of location shots when i visit even before the recce because it's a communication device and you start including the people you know you want to work with on it so um and you know i think that was also part of the excitement i was like oh my god what do you see this incredible you know this room with the 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 the, 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 the room we just got glimpsed there in daylight but you know, you see it in other setups and other lighting setups a number of times in the film and it has as a location, you know, had all of this amazing sort of atmosphere and everything. So, you know, I know I knew that Eleanor would get excited about that and mm -hmm. I was looking forward to sort of getting her eyes on that space. Um, so in terms of, you know, the process, sometimes you do have an image and sometimes it can just be one image. For this, I don't remember that it was an image. It was a couple of references. And I think the Vim Vendor's Wings of Desire is a film it's quite intellectual, you know, it's quite a dense film. It has a lot of, but it has an elegance to it. And it's about connection. And it's sort of something that I felt working with Darren's poetry has an elegance. There's an elegance to the poetry, like to the line, to the ear of what she's write, written, which I knew wanted to be 
uh, part of it, there had to be something elegant about this, but at the same time, there was something chaotic about it because it was about a woman sort of always on the verge of the pressure of, of trying to become a medical student becoming too much. And you sense she's maybe having a nervous breakdown and sort of that reminded me of Pi. And so I was curious to go back to Pi as well, because mm-hmm. it was a film that Aronofsky made shortly after graduating with, I think, $80,000. And so it was a film that I remember of all the films we've seen being incredibly visually impressive. And it still is. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't have, you know, it's very easy to go. Oh, here's my reference for a $20 million film, you know, which is like, <laughs> I think I yes. have reference when you know that it was a bunch of graduates running around New York and being incredibly creative. So it was sort of more in the spirit of the thing that they were like, the the one was the intense psychological state of someone uh, breaking down. And the other was sort of a sort of stepping back and kind of looking at the world. And I think Vim Vendors uses facts and movement a lot to connect people. And uh, that's something that was important to us in our early conversations about movement. So mm-hmm. we can go into that in a minute, but that's what, yeah. why that opening clip is important um, mm-hmm. because it's setting up the language of the film. And I can mm-hmm. talk a bit more about it if you want. But Yeah, um, lovely, lovely. I just want to like highlight one thing you said here. <laughs> I love that you did. So if you're shooting, a, I don't know, 10,000 euro short film, don't bring a 50 million <laughs> US dollars project as a reference. <laughs> Would that would you would you say that like as in if if you come to me and you say I have ten thousand euro and I'm I want to shoot a short film and I want it to look like uh, Armageddon <laughs> maybe that's not the right <laughs> reference or is it Una I'm talking to you <laughs> at Four Wings of Desire I had a massive budget but I suppose it's more sort of um. It was sort of like I, you know, so they said an arts council budget, not a bad budget at all for a short, but still, you know, it's a 25 minute film. You're not making, it's not like a Screen Ireland short where you're making it the same budget to, ha- to make a 10 minute short. And we had a lot of locations, even though we'd one location, it became, you know, about 18 locations in Trinity. So there was mm. a lot of movement. And I, I, do I think that I, I mean, I, I like I, I wouldn't set that rule, actually, because I think it's all about what are you taking from that? And, mm-hmm. and you know, having a reference um, I remember chatting to another director and it sort of she had one image and, and sort of the image wasn't even a visual reference. It wasn't even a tonal reference. It was more the spirit of the piece. So if you have images, just sort of I think it's just important to be clear about what that's about. Sometimes it can be about an energy or it can be, you know, I, I loved in preparing, preparing for this when I was chatting to Eleanor, she was saying because I'd forgotten that, but spirals and sort of the movement of the wind and this idea of being haunted and sort of and the eternal cyclical nature of life and death comes mm-hmm. up in this film in subtle ways. And like, you know, then Eleanor's like, look at the spiral on that staircase. So it's sort of, you know, people mightn't even, we don't expect people to be interpreting it on that level, but it's there. And it's just all these little things that start to interplay that then everyone's tuning into that and looking for that. And that's a beautiful yeah. feeling, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Brilliant. Thank you very much for clarifying. I was uh, partly joking there, but. <laughs> Um, okay, I have another clip queued up, and it is actually uh, one that includes some of the choreography mm-hmm. that this uh, film is rich in, and, and the dancing. And that's something I want to I want to ask you about. Um, so once you kind of found the common language that that uh, was going to be your visual approach, uh, other things you know came into play, like. Um, 
obviously you had to discuss movement you had to discuss the color palette mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I just wonder how much of that uh, and you could see it here the color palette changes with within the scene when they take off their costumes all of a sudden the color palette is different so how how um, much of that was a conversation between the two of you and uh, how much of it was also bringing in the other key HODs and, and your choreographers. Um, so, so if you could maybe start there, um, I, I'm really interested in, in hearing how do you, how do you go make the step from the two of you speaking to actually, to actually do, doing it and filming it? So like for the for the choreography, uh, did did you storyboard that scene before you saw the dancing or how did you Eleanor know how to frame it or how to go about filming it? D did you did you go and uh, attend um, dance rehearsals or how did that happen? Yeah, so th they there was a space in Trinity where the re rehearsals were happening. So I went in and sat in on a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. um to to get a, an idea of what was going on there and then looking at the dance you could start to see there are moments where you would like to be you'd like to be in close or it's important that you're on a tag two or at this part of the dance it's you know you should be a bit wide and then looking at ways to to cut in and out of 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 the dance and mm -hmm. then on the day to get a bit of movement into it we had a, a track along the front of it and we we just rehearsed the dance along with a track um and after a while we just kind of got into a bit of a rhythm where i would talk to to the grip and um be like well at this part we should be here and then we should be here so there was it was a bit of a dance us included that we would be in the right part of the track for the right part of the dance Mm -hmm. And was that maybe something you weighed into, Una, or did you kind of leave it to Eleanor to decide where she goes close or, you know, where she stays wide? I, um, I think that like, so I've worked quite a bit with movement in different, in different films and I've worked with tracks as well. So I'm kind of a little bit familiar of what a track can give. And I, but I, exactly what Eleanor says, I think when things work best is the choreography has a structure. And then the 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 camera team uh, led by Eleanor are have observed that, watched that. They've seen the videos. Like there's also as well as Eleanor sitting in, she also had videos of of it. So she, you know, everyone's kind of a bit familiar with it. And now we're here, and there's a whole new set of restrictions because I think where the key lighting source above, we were hoping that was going to be further back or something. So we to, we had to move the track. Do you remember how the track was meant to go in the middle, and then we had to move it. And, you know, the only thing that costs you is time. So I remember that like, and this was an expensive location and we had it for a certain amount of hours. These are all the things I remember. Um, but, but sort of what I guess is that sort of, yeah, I was, I mean, I was up there behind, but the track is moving and I can't remember, did we have a monitor? We were shooting 30 frames per second. So I think there was an issue with the feed. So it was sort of, you know, checking in. Sometimes I tried to follow it and just was sort of part of that movement too. But it's sort of, um, you know, you, you, you want to go a few times, you go left to right, right to left, you throw on a couple of different lenses. So you're going to have a feeling that you're hopefully covering your scene because it was something I learned on 
on a film, the first dance film I made. And actually, I think the first film I made with Money, which was her mother's daughters in 2010. We improvised that a dance scene on around the center and we just we it was like, OK, it wasn't going to be the same every time. So so the, the but but I knew that cutting it, we needed to have consistency. So you cre created a certain amount of movements that you knew were always the same, as Eleanor says. She's always going to come in that close. She's always going to come in that wide. The timing of it, it's not a science. And it's not a science at the speed that you shape, you know, that you move it back. Or maybe it can be on some shoots, but I think there's something beautiful about that sort of feeling of the body of the DOP and their grip are like, yes, and you know when you've got it, like, you know, you feel it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a living thing. And I like that anyway. So yeah, I think I think um I think that that's how 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 we did it. Mm -hmm. Um and then it was we were always trying to get up onto that top shot. Like I can't remember whether we shot that first or last, but we went back for that because it was mm -hmm. uh it was one that we didn't get on the day because you know these things take time. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's I don't know if that's something that the, 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 the listeners are interested in, but uh you have your frame above. And it's amazing that the, 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 how easy that frame is unusable. If there's a little foot out or, you know, if there's anything that slightly goes off, just kills the sequence, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of things and you, you're putting marks down, but you can't keep the marks there because yeah. so it's it's and then I, I can't. Yeah, it, it took time like that took ages that that top shot, whereas the tracking was probably a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And. Eleanor, um, was there ever a discussion about maybe covering it with more cameras? And did you, uh, perhaps? No. no. <laughs> well, I, I, I like that answer just because uh, whenever whenever I, I am uh, maybe told, oh, why don't we get a second camera so that they can kind of fish for shots? I always freeze up a little bit because I, I want to know what exactly would the second camera do but i just wonder so that, that for you and and una this was not a not a conversation um you no. didn't see feel the need yeah and i think budget was pretty tight um mm -hmm. like the the film was shot with all my own equipment you know it was basically shot on a um on a documentary setup it was a, a c300 mark ii with um with some prime lenses and, and and that was it and and yeah like it would have been it would have been an extra expense that that it might it might have meant that we, we'd have to lose a day with track or something like that and, mm -hmm. um and I, I think single cameras it worked it worked well you know if it's a yeah. second camera you need to bring in a you know second operator and a second focus puller so it it pushes up the, the budget quite a bit Wonderful. I, I, I just wonder, like, uh, if, is, if we talk about maybe starting uh, directors, uh, somebody who, who has shot a couple short films with minimal crews, um, um, how do you, and they do, maybe there is, there is something in the script that calls or, or would warrant a, a second camera, but you know these things that it would maybe take more time, it would add on to their budget. Um, uh, how would you like uh, how would you approach that discussion would you um instead of like shutting it down how do you how do you approach just discussing and making maybe the director realize that that um it's not 
maybe a help, but a hindrance. What is like, what is the, um, what is the diplomacy? Not to want to hurt their feelings, but, but to, to put your um, uh, expertise across and to get them to understand that this is a valid point and, and it's nothing personal. Do you have any such experiences where you need to be a diplomat? There are times where a second camera can be useful. Um, um, like for a stunt scene or something like that, you know, if, if, if you only have a chance of getting the shot once, it's, it's always good to have a second angle. But it, it, I think, can be a little bit of a false economy. Sometimes people think, get a second camera in, it will speed things up. But the director can only really properly monitor one camera at a time. And, and mm -hmm. if you're kind of looking at, at, at two, you might, or you might think you have something on the second camera and then not shoot it on the A camera. And then you find out in the edit, you didn't quite get the angle you wanted, you know. Um, That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. But but quite often people might say, okay, get a second camera in. And then that second camera might not have, a, you know, this is low budget, low budget stuff. Yes. Like, you know, short short film land. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. get, a, get a second camera in and they might not get a second focus puller in. And then you, you've got a second angle, but it's out of focus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so so it, it can be a bit of a false economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, do you, what would you have something to add, Una, here? I, I just completely agree. I mean, yeah, like I've, I'm trying to think if I've ever worked with two cameras, I probably have on something, but it's, it's you know, like a car crash or something big, big that, uh, you know, it's really going to be expensive and it's a, a big moment uh, or it happens once, you know, like a bicycle going off of here in, in Roots film recently, like, you know, you're going to cover that for more than one angle, even just to safety if you get to do it once. But um yeah, I, I agree. I think we, we, you know, we look, well, we look at the screen with two eyes, but it's sort of, it's, it's one eye in the camera. And I, I like, I, I, I think in that sort of way. And I think that, I think Eleanor is right. I think that, you know, I don't see it as a time saving device. It would be something, it would, it would only merit its inclusion as a discussion because of the complexity of the event that you're trying to cover. Um, because I think it introduces new problems around lighting as well and around background and around all sorts of things. And anytime any of those problems perks up its head, even if you think you've, you've thought of that in advance, you're stopping and figuring out and telling that person that, you know, this shot is dead, or then that person is trying to get something and it's so probably irrelevant and won't be used, you know. Um, and I think you can be clever with one camera because, I mean, even working with movement, where you know you might be wanting to work with improvisation you'll always have beginnings middles and ends you'll always have points where you know someone picks up an object and goes so you can you can get certain locked off shots that can really help you in the edit they're almost like your little you know your little nodes and mm -hmm. then you have this free-spirited sort of uh, improvisation where actually it's an improvisation between the camera the performers and the reality of that, because the actors are feeling the camera and the camera's feeling the actors, gives you something that's so unique and so special that mm -hmm. like that's where I would put the, the time and sort of say, let's go for a fifth take that was so beautiful. Let's see what we find on this one. You know, when you get like five seconds of something beautiful and you know you have something and, mm -hmm. and then you know that so you're like, I need to make that sequence work, which means I need to get something to tie that bit with that bit. So you're live editing a little bit sometimes with the work because you know what you have, you're, you're watching it. And I suppose that's the other thing that like when you're not on the, 
I'm not always right next to Eleanor as she's shooting, particularly when she's moving, because I need to observe and start absorbing what we're getting to have that conversation with her, even though she's also observing, but she's also shooting and watching mm-hmm. and other things to do with, with the light and focus. And, yeah. you know, even though she's for people, you know, ostensibly looking at those things, she's over those people as well. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. busy brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, how did you work uh, on both of your films uh, that you've done together, Iha and uh, and Five Letters? Did you did you prepare storyboards or uh, did you just work off of intuition? Did you cover each scene as it came? It's very well crafted, so I don't presume you did. I think every every shot was choreographed and and thought out beforehand. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. What is the process there for you? We went on recce's, didn't we? That's sort of our yeah. process. Because it's sort of like, I think the thing becomes very real. I don't like to storyboard without locations. I do like sometimes <coughs> like pencil men to help me think. The thinking device before it's a communication device. But actually the thing comes alive when you have your location and then you have a conversation. Because straight away, Eleanor's going to read the location and say it'd be great if we're shooting that way because the light's there. That's the first thing you'll always say. And it's like, oh, but the classroom's facing that way. Can, and then it's like, AD, can we can we have the classroom flipped around? Can we move all those chairs so they're facing the other way? Yes, we can. Great. Next thing. What are we going to do next? You sort of, it's like you break it down into sort of what what what's the thing, where the form is going to be, and then what happens in the scene. So where's the camera going to start? What's our master? You know, what's, and then, you know, um, in a lot of five letters, the master is like kind of like, you know, we, we didn't shoot master and then you go in. It's a moving track. So your master is your shot. Mm-hmm. And I love that actually, rather than let's shoot our wide and then go in, you know, but it's, you know, the, the, in terms of film school training, you shoot your master first and then you come in. So your classic setup, you, you choose where your master is. And that's always a choice. And you, your master might be like two feet off the ground because you want to get like loads of feet coming in, but it's still this shot that's going to be your first shot. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can see that in Iha in the classroom, the master was the tracking shot. And then we we popped in for various bits. So mm-hmm. sorry, I let Eleanor respond now, but I think like we definitely broke that scene down and thought about because again, you know, the, because there's people like, I don't know, popping up out of chairs and starting to move backwards, you kind of have to do a bit of planning on how you're going to shoot it in advance because mm-hmm. it's sort of like the camera has to meet the choreography on some level. You know, it can't just sit back mm-hmm. and document because, it's you know, it's not a documentary. It's it's like it's a force. Yes. In mm-hmm. both of these films. And actually, just one last thing I want to say, because I think it's important in case I forget it. In the opening sequence that we shared of five letters, if you notice the camera in the opening shot is handheld, right? It's handheld. Or actually, it's, it's, it's following her with her case. Yeah. And then she's in. And that was by design that it's like the sense of overwhelming Dublin Trinity going to college. So this is all quite intentional, this movement. But it's also leading us then into what becomes the tracking shot in her in her room. And that's when we first hear the voice and a track is elegant. So we're now being introduced to the haunted voice of the corpse. We don't yet know who this voice is. We're going to the window and then we have a side track. And then we have this moment, a little push in on Vivian because she's our lead and we're establishing that something's up with her. We're we're creating that first moment of dissonance of something. And it's sort of not quite your inciting incident yet, but it's your 
moment before that. And then the camera goes still. When Kathy speaks the lecture, the camera goes still and we're back in consensual reality. And then the first bit of movement happening again, saying that like they're not just getting up off their chairs is in the is in the auditorium, but then we're clearly departing from reality with that shot of them taking out the gloves. And then we come back in and all of that has been thought through because actually what you're doing is setting up a language, you're saying to your audience, Yes, I know we're catapulting you into this world that feels quite real and it's dirty college, but you're also getting this haunted voice. Don't freak out. Stay with us. And don't freak out because they start breaking into dance. You know, we're, we're going to mm -hmm. gradually grow this thing. And I was very aware that with those three elements, you really needed to think through it. So that was a conversation that we had, which was we knew for the voice, we always wanted that to feel like a strong movement that was elegant. And that was sort of the birth of us talking about the tracks and um, which was you know complicated to bring those tracks up to the friggin fifth floor into this <laughs> tiny little dorm room I mean it looks lovely and spacious but it's like it's your classic student room it's actually yeah, that yeah. Like I can imagine <laughs> <laughs> so. wonderful I mean you are you are uh speaking exactly about what I wanted to hear so so Eleanor like what would you add to that I I can see in the move on the movies that they are not accidental. It's not like your standard coverage, like a master, and yeah. uh, uh, you, you shoot you shoot a, a close up, and then you reverse and shoot the other person. This is not um, uh, this is not that. So, yeah. um, like all of these like movement shots, say when you were deciding when the camera is handheld or when it's on a track, you did you develop uh, basically a language and, and did you follow it uh, like you, did you know that you couldn't break away from it because it the film then wouldn't work or how did that how did that go um we i don't think it really started to come together visually until we went into the locations we recce the locations um and then once we were in the space um we would look at the scene and then remember well, what are the important beats of the scene mm -hmm. um like there were there were some things like you know we we wanted to feel like we were we, like we felt like we we should be close to Viv quite a bit we wanted to be close to her, her to feel a little bit you know like we're we were getting into her head a little bit and mm -hmm. uh, sometimes a little bit claustrophobic um sometimes we wanted to feel like she was being observed by this you know mm -hmm. otherworldly presence um and then we would look we would spend a bit of time in the space and then try and find ways to convey those ideas and then look for shapes that might look a little bit like the brain um okay. <laughs> spirals and mm -hmm. um, so you try to find symbolism or like do you try to to just look at the script and see how you could say many different things visually without actually being too obvious yeah, yeah. we, we kind of look for re recurring shapes and um, mm -hmm. um yeah so so then i think once we were in the space we kind of blocked it out just um, the two of you yeah mm -hmm. like you know the, the other thing is um like so for example right you know like going up do you remember we did that recce in the snow and um I remember taking with the I think that's when we found the that sculpture with I'm just to give you know the bulbous the bulbous metal oh, sculpture. Yeah. 
So like we already had had conversations about how we wanted to work with reflective surfaces, yeah. uh, you know, the glass of water, this idea of the distortion of the image and this sense of her being pulled apart and sort of seeing things and seeing through things and seeing this image on the wall and sort of just trying to work visually as opposed to her have a conversation with the counsellor, I am really lost. It was, we were trying to create a visual language to, to collect that. So when you see a sculpture like that in Trinity, it's like, it's a find, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. we're really going to work with that. And then we could, you know, in the edit, I think, I don't think in the script, I had thought of using the glass, which is her blurry behind the glass of water. That's a reveal later. I think in the script, it was probably more clean, but in the edit then, we were like, we looked at the shot of her uh, mirror image from what we'd shot in the actual sculpture. And actually we realized you can cut between these worlds in a way that makes it feel like, yeah, you're just completely getting lost in this sort of um, pulling apart of, of her of her mind in a way. So, so mm -hmm. you know, it, like I know you say symbolism, but it's also just looking around where you are, you know? And, and I mean, I think it's like the eyes of your team, again, if everyone's in the same vision, people start finding things. It's it's actually a really yeah. beautiful part of filmmaking. It's like, oh my God, I found a tree with a bit of bark and I think, you know, and it's like everyone's <laughs> getting into it, um, yeah. you know, so. Okay, wonderful. And and um, one more question about, about that particular scene that, that we showed um, uh, a few minutes ago. Colors, how, how, how did that conversation happen? How did you, find out what your color palette was going to be and how much did the location locations maybe inform it i think that was huge actually the location wasn't it because it was like very browny red like it was a uh, dark wood and we kind of decided that gwen the costume designer came in and it was very clear that like she was sort of um i know if you track her costume you'll see she's wearing green green was her color but 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 then um, and we thought about green dresses at the end, but we went even further. We went for yellow. That's real brightness and hope. But there's no in between. There's a lot of black. She kind of goes towards black. And but there's always a sense of the forest and growth and things to do with that sense of things growing about Vivian's uh, character. So like I actually remember more of those conversations with. Um, Gwen, but they would have begun with you, Eleanor. What do you remember? Is, am I right in thinking that we kind of had this sort of, I want to call it black and white and red, but that's basically what a brain is. It's this kind of blacky white gray matter, which was once pink when it was alive and sort of started with there, didn't it? Kind of remember? Yeah, um, no, it, it is a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I kind of remember some conversations about um yeah the circle of life and 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 the colors of 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 life and death and the rusty brown of the leaf and the the, the green of growth and um of the interconnectivity with all things you know mm -hmm. human and nature and um um and uh, yeah, the, the colors of nature, the bark of the tree, the, the, the green of the shoots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, and I think as well, like it's worth noting, you know, like we, we were working with found locations. So like, you mm -hmm. know, we could say, oh, can we change the flash yes. color of walls to this lovely ochre? No, you know, so 
it was sort of actually white walls. So you're you were trying to bring color in then, or trying to like not shoot into white walls unless that's the feeling we wanted. And sort of, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you hate white walls. Every DOP hates white walls. <laughs> like, yes, but um, it, can, it can be interesting if they're framed yeah. right. But, but sort of, um, so I yeah, and I think tracking those locations as well. I think dark and light, you know, night and day were big things because you know you feel um i i think the, the third part of the film feels quite dark even though it's technically day um because she's in a darker space and she's indoors and she's coming to her lecture it's actually daytime when she leaves the laundrette which might bring us into our our nice little next clip about <laughs> uh, deeper night <laughs> that's it that's it i do have a, another clip queued up but i actually just remembered uh one moment from the previous clip that i when i first saw it i was like Ah, this is so clever and so easy, but I wonder if it was scripted. So when um, when uh, the two uh, leads touch heads and there are these hands with the flashlights for electricity, do you remember that moment? You see those little specks of light behind them kind of moving like electricity firing. Your synapse is firing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, so is was that scripted or was that totally the genius of Eleanor or was it the genius of Una or how does that happen? <laughs> that was so much fun, wasn't it? Like that was the first day of the shoot. And I literally remember going, you know, like I had written a script saying, and now the next bit is about their brains meeting and fire samples. So like, how are we going to do that? And it was like, okay. we did, Jur was the, Jur, no, we talked about it. Jur had gotten the torches. So like we'd actually, but we hadn't seen if it would work. Like it was like, what would it be for a bunch of the actors in the dark to do this with torches? And then Eleanor was like, let's look at different frame rates. So we did a text, didn't we? Where we shot it on 50 frames, 30 frames, like 100 frames, like, you know, and it was like, you know, and then, but sort of, how were we doing that again with the frame rate? We were trying to figure out. Do you remember Eleanor? We were trying to get a bit of blur. We, we, we opened the shutter. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. um and then I think we might have shot at 12 frames a second or something like that. That's mm -hmm. we had one where they were like it was crazy and it was too funny yeah. actually. It was just, <laughs> like they were just like 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 you'd shoot three minutes of it and you get 10 seconds of them going, you know, and it was like, oh my god, mm -hmm. she's having actually an epileptic fit. Like that's what it looked like. So meant to be this moment of their heads coming together and feeling inspired by the dead matter in your hands and your feeling of connection to this mm -hmm. yeah holy i mean as, as Duran's voiceover says it more beautifully but it's it, it is about that connection between the living and the dead and when you touch something dead and you remember the life it had and you as a living person are learning because of this dead matter so so it was actually kind of a different moment but it was really fun because I do remember that, like, you know, you have your first day of the shoot and everyone's getting to know each other. And it was like, literally, like, we were going, saying things that I'll probably never say on a set again, which is like, neurons fire. And like, backlight, remember the white light flashing? It was like, we call that the mothership light. So in the background of that. Oh, yes, I remember that. Actually in the lecture hall. And all of that, all of that idea of that sequence came from the location because it was like, whoa, it looks like a brain. Let's mm -hmm. work with this in some creative way, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree, but I think it looks a bit like a brain looking down, and uh, and it had all these kind of funky lighting setups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, no, that that was a uh, that's uh, a yeah. brilliant moment where I felt I felt um, um, that 
just a lot of lot of testing had to go into it as you said and you did do quite a bit of testing so it just doesn't happen on the day of the shoot you don't just turn up and have give people flashlights and it happens it has to yeah. be tested and and uh, so there is quite a lot of prep that goes into uh, the different bits of the of the movie um the i you actually said una that we have another clip queued up and this one is a moment that happened uh, you were supposed to shoot a day scene, but by the time you got to the location, it was night. Correct. So I just yeah, wanna daytime. <laughs> Sorry, uh, say that, that again, please. Bad. That happened more than once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eleanor, the wizard. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna show it. Uh, hopefully, I uh, know how to cue that up now. And uh, what I, wh why I like it, and we we previously spoke about this. It's uh, it's for the fact that you had to you had to find a solution for for the fact that you ran out of daylight, and uh, you needed to shoot this to look like day. Um, and uh, so as much prep as you do, uh, it it's, can still you, you know throw a curveball at you, and you have to. Uh, a deal. So, as the director and DOP, how do you go about like solving this situation? You know that you have a location just for that day, presu I, I presume. So, uh, what's the communication there to make it happen? I, I, I mean, I think the first AD was big time involved in that. Someone was going ahead to check because I think there was probably a question in our mind: Were we going to have to jake the schedule or something? I remember when we were going over. And it was like, Eleanor, you'd have you'd have chimed in then and said, this is what I can do. Can you do this? I think, wouldn't you? Or what's your memory of it? With with why we got to the laundrette late? No, not why we got there late. But once we knew we were going to get there and have lost the light. Yeah. So us making the decision why we're over there. Are we going to try and are we going to try and like do laundry night for day? Or are we going to try and grab something else that could be a night? And I, I remember I remember like that, like got the got the thing that we're going to go to the laundrette and try and make this work which is yeah. great but that would have been to do with you talking to drew as well i think uh, yeah i knew there was a solution there like there is there was a solution there is a way around it um because our source was basically just coming from two small little windows at the back of the um at the back of the laundrette so Originally, the plan was to have, I think we, we were going to have a two and a half K outside um, coming through, coming through the window, maybe as a little bit of a backlight, catching a couple of the machines. Um, and um, then it was just like, well, you know, they're small windows. If we just diff them and then light through them, you know, we, we, it'll look like it's daytime outside. We won't see any detail, but it will be, you know blown out white mm -hmm. it will look like daylight but I think then when we got there because there was no sockets inside the laundrette so when we got there um uh there was a, I think there was a building next door that we were going to draw some power from but because we were late the building was locked so we were kind of stuck then because we're like okay well we, we can't actually light this scene at all but mm -hmm. um we, in the end, in the end, we ended up doing it with uh, battery powered lights and uh, battery powered LEDs and mm -hmm. look good. And, and yeah, the, the diffusion on the window, like I think so. This is one of those ones where um, the original plan was obviously shoot it during the day and you had light, light coming in. But actually it has this 
um, I think it has a slightly more muted feeling in the scene and it's a very muted moment in her journey. It's a very internal moment to the degree that she is finding comfort in the rhythm of a washing machine, you know, and sort of she's been drawn into the sound of things and we're about to enter into this next phase where it's all about the ear. So, um, so actually I, I, I love that. Like, and I, I'm a yeah. great believer in that, like as Eleanor says, and sometimes you can, you know, your, your creative collaborators will find something and they'll make the vision even better. And it's sort of having the confidence to sort of, I think, trust your collaborators that way and say, you know, um, okay, you know, absolutely, you, you seem really clear about this and it's going to be slightly different, but actually in this case, much stronger. And often it happens that way. It's, it's, mm -hmm. again, um, really so there nice. needs to be, there needs to be this, this trust that you chose your collaborator for a reason. And, yeah. and, and you just, you just kind of have to give yourself, perhaps in this situation as a director into, into Eleanor's hands. And yeah. then other times there the DOP kind of lends herself or himself to 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 the director's vision and completely uh, just has to trust that that it's going in the in the right direction. Um I, I actually think this is one point I would like to draw is that you are there to support each other as a director DOP, right? So trust is important even if it's for maybe a first collaboration. Um without it, you know the doubts can really um, um, dissect you. <laughs> Stranger who will dissect my brain. <laughs> yeah, so so um, the, you, you've shot, the first film you, you two shot together is Iha. Uh, I am learning to speak Irish here. Are you not going to show the next scene? I love the next scene. <laughs> oh, after, after the laundromat? Yeah. Oh, I, I have not exported that clip, but <laughs> if we if we have time, I can still I can still go there. But I just wanted to like so on your first film together, did you did you feel like you could trust each other? Like, do, do you feel what has changed from the first collaboration to the second? Um, I mean, it was pretty easy from from the get go. I think to be honest, like, and that's obvious is true. But I think definitely you have, you know, you go into your next shoot then knowing, you know, that you communicated well and, and realized something together. And, you know, it, there's lots of tiny little moments, like I can't remember them all now, but there's lots of moments when, yeah, that negotiation has happened over the course mm -hmm. of the film and sort of, you know, and uh, that that automatically builds confidence and trust in one another, one another, I think, doesn't it? It's sort of like, um, um, from the exchange of ideas to to sort of sometimes being actually really surprised and I don't mean surprised that something's beautiful but surprised in how beautiful it is or surprised by um you know the difference between putting the camera there and there and sort of you know um um again I'm like I'm thinking in Eha the I was talking about it earlier that 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 wide shot on the road that we have and um, because I was so focused on the movement of the women at the time and wanted to do a lot on ground I hadn't really thought about that as our master and when I saw it I was like oh safe like that's that's the shot you know mm -hmm. so you know that I mean that's what I mean by being surprised if like tramp up the hill and it's like there but you, you, it, it opens my head because it's like okay what you know I didn't think about going up there so it's you know it's always being pushed in in new directions and and sort of, you know, sometimes you, you might go to town on something and come back and do something very simple, you know, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like, but but it's sort of, um, 
and you know like the reality is like we you know the, the greatest thing when you have a good relationship is like you're working under like crazy time pressure like we never really had a chance to sit back and kind of pat ourselves on any sort of back <laughs> no. about how we were doing we were just like friggin working so fast it's not true um so mm-hmm. um, that, that it just shows how like how important it is to get the time together and prep you know mm. that you, you you get to say everything that's going through your head because there's just sometimes very little time for discussion when you're shooting you know it's you, you, by by then you're just working on instinct mm-hmm. so. and, and Eleanor like does it um does it happen I'm not just the speaking here oh you know your collaboration with Una but in general with directors uh does it happen that maybe maybe you need some there is a misunderstanding or you're not on the same page during a shoot and you need to come to an agreement. Um, I wonder, does that happen? Or do you always have things clear? Everything is smooth sailing from the morning you when you wake up till the uh, time you, you, you pack your camera in the evening. Or if there, if there are moments where maybe you're not on the same wave, how do you, how do you approach those? Yeah. when you're on set and you're in the middle of shoot shooting that can be tricky um um it doesn't happen often but when it does happen um it's it's you know you kind of have to to um like it's sometimes it's dangerous i think to come up with ideas um on your own like before you've really had these conversations with the director, you know, if you get too attached to this idea <laughs> without really getting into the director's head, then that's the kind of thing that could happen. You know, you've got your own notions, but they might not share them. And, and um, so if this happens, you know, the director is king. It's, it's, it's what, what mm-hmm. they say is, is what goes and <laughs> you just mm-hmm. have to suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> you attached to your notions you know <laughs> yeah yeah um I uh, like in 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 film school um I was taught to um always always try to to fight until a moment where you can feel fight for the film until the moment where you feel it's good it, you would break it and then give up but don't give up the fight before you even start it you know so and if, if you keep if you have in mind this is the best if you're doing it for the film it's not for your own ego just yeah. always try to convey your uh, um, thoughts and ideas and if 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 they are heard which is fantastic and hopefully every director has time for for a DOP and hears that and if they're heard and it's it's still not you know it's not going to be that way that you know then maybe give up on that but don't give up trying would you say that's true Sometimes, sometimes I've been so convinced I was right, you know, like, oh, oh my God, I'm just going to have to go along with this. But like, I know I'm right. And then, you know, it turns out that I was probably wrong. <laughs> that, 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 you know, what the director was thinking, actually, I, I didn't see it at the time, but it's like, yes, actually, yeah, it is. It is. What and has, it, has, has it happened the other way around? where you maybe were given uh, the go ahead and it turned out as the right thing or I'm not saying right, but a good thing. Um, uh, of That's course. Me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> great. 
um uh, uh una so how do you deal with like creative like maybe we can call them clashes but uh, they don't have, you know they don't have to be aggressive or anything but how do you how do you deal with it when there is a misunderstanding while you're shooting what's your with, what's, with your, the, what's your the beginning director kind of take away here uh, how, how would you talk to your dop when there is something not working and how do you do that so that it doesn't create an even bigger problem um i mean i i, I guess it's really context specific and sort of you know that, that, that like i mean you, if you have a monitor you can see what's going on so if it's you know there's a number of things either it's it's as you planned and and, and it's what you want or it's a deviation but you think it's really exciting and so you mm -hmm. you know you see that sometimes you go oh okay yeah no no i like oh no i'm gonna offer you the 50s oh no i really liked it like stay this is good don't need to see that or sometimes like yeah i'm not sure let's try it and let's move it a little bit lower like that's the negotiation to finding what is sort of your sweet spot but where someone's it never really arises i think where someone is sort of <laughs> i've never worked with someone who says like the camera is going there talk you know it's like um it's always that kind of thing of what 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 do you think and it's sort of are we are we there yet um and um you know i i and ways don't have a look yet i'm i'm fixing the light and you know sometimes it's sort of like it's, mm -hmm. it, it can be a really nice dance it's like the person mm -hmm. wants to show you something good and sort of they want to show it to you at its at its right moment you know and and, and sort of the more you get to know each other you kind of know what's going on and really that is a really great thing for the director as well because it allows you to go out into the green room be talking to your actors and getting them into the scene or the, or the performers and sort of you know not supervising your own shoot because mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to do that and um mm -hmm. and sort of um you know at the, at the end of the day yeah you need to sort of kind of tune into to the the performers but i and and i think it's you know it's the oldest thing in the book but it is the more preparation you've done with any of your crew with your um designers with, with the dop with your with your cast the more time you've spent off set together talking through what this is about as eleanor said beat by beat the more secure and prepared they will come on. And there are occasions when an actor is out of the country and they flew in the night before and they come and you see them there, they've got that head. And you know, mm -hmm. you just need to reassure that person that they feel really safe and they are really wanted and you have total confidence in them. And if they fluff all their lines, that's perfect. Like that was great. Let's just go again. You know, it's sort of like, you know, like it's really important that um, that that's there. And everyone, like everyone's so emotionally intelligent on sets anyway. Everyone's picking up on stuff. So it's sort of, it's kind of always between the lines of what's really happening, isn't it, Eleanor? Kind of, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, like it, 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 I'm just trying to think when was I ever worried on that shoot? Like it was always probably just to do with time and yeah. getting day <laughs> it's important to be in sync you know for the dp and the yeah. director to be in sync like a, yeah i think when you're not in sync it's it's pretty bad for crew morale i think people other people feel it you know mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i actually remembered something oh, yeah. yes you are correct <laughs> what no it's my own experience and now we're talking about yours so <laughs> Okay, wonderful. So I'm going to, oh, we're coming up to an hour of talking, um, minus all the introduction. Um, so I'm going to show uh, the final clip from Iha. And after that, I have a couple more questions. And if our audience has any questions, please uh, pop them into the chat uh, uh, down there. Uh, and I will, I will ask Una and Eleanor after after I've asked them my questions.
So go ahead and uh, leave us your questions and I'm going to play the final clip. And so this is from the first film that you did together, Iha. And that's it. I love it. Love the lighting in there. Um, okay, so uh, um, hold on, let me bring up my questions here. Um, you already touched on this, um, uh, Una, a little bit that you discussed this, this master shot, basically, that you didn't uh, know you had until you saw it, correct? So yeah. did, did that happen uh, uh, when you had the car and the crew there or did, was this when you were location scouting? I, I yeah, the look at the, so um, I'm trying to remember the that I mean again. So it's a recurrent theme on the Unicorn issue, like we were seriously battling the light. So we had shot everything else in photo, all those other sequences of the women, and as always, like you have your big shot with all your cams. You you know pay for two buses <laughs> to come, and they're all waiting, and you've got a big massive speaker, you know, putting out the drum and bass so that everyone gets into the rhythm. And, and like you've gone there to shoot it. So you're like, shit. So it was like, I felt probably, because I'd always wanted Eleanor. I'd always saying, Eleanor, you're going to have to dance. You're going to have you. And we never got that shot. And I didn't even get you to dance fully on um, Five Letters. We'll have to do another film where I actually get Eleanor dancing. But <laughs> I loved that idea. And Eleanor was up for it. But it was like, she was like, let's cover the master from the hill. And it was one of those moments was like, okay, let's go up and put the camera on. And I was like, yeah, this is great. And you can see it like basically we've, 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 well, in that end piece, we'd six setups, but you have the master up on the hill, you have the, the shot from behind of the car, which has them coming mm -hmm. the corner. And then you have what was our free pass on probably two tighter lenses, which would have been, you know, if we'd had more time was the idea of moving the idea of, of actually uh, the camera kind of getting lost inside them. But that was the sacrifice to make the scene work. Um, and actually, we, you know, we did shoot some of that and the light was gone. It was like really sad, like just, it was black. You couldn't see them. It didn't cut with it. So it was real razor edged up. And then the other two setups you see are the side shot of the man in the car, you know, the single on him and the single on the girl. And dun, 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 dun. we didn't shoot them that day. We were meant to, um, <laughs> but we ran out of time. So this is another example of, okay, what are you going to prioritize? You're going to prioritize your master and making that work with these two other setups. So we got three setups in an hour and um, because it was a lot of, I mean, you know, it sounds really complicated. One of the advantages of choreography is you're not looking for beats within the moment. I mean, you are, you're looking for sync um, and sort of as soon as one of those goes out of sync, the thing falls apart and you have to restart and a restart with 80 people takes, it's not instant. So you're kind of going, okay, we've 50 minutes left, we've 45 minutes, how many takes are we gonna get? Do we now move? I, you know, I'd love to keep shooting at this angle. No, we need to make this cut. Let's move in. So it was, it was that was the atmosphere, but it was sort of, um, you know, Eleanor and me kind of going like we're not going to get to the man in the in the car, and like Eleanor again, very calm head. We can do this on a pickup, no problem. I can come down. We can shoot this, and that confidence is like great. Let's shoot this out on the women and the girls. Let's get on the wide. All of that action of her getting on the car and trust that we'll find this moment. And like this man who isn't even an actor, does such a great job with his eyes, yeah, yeah. imagining these women coming out of the corner when they absolutely were not there. It was just us going, and now they're coming around the corner. You've never seen anything like it. But he he was, he was he, was he with us that first time? I can't remember. But uh, yeah, he, he owned the car. And yeah. the next thing he got roped into being Sean O'Rear Dawn, 
driver of the car. So um, okay. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite event. So mm-hmm. yeah. and Eleanor, um, so. I always say I always say to starting directors uh, like that you get you get a DOP um, somebody that's experienced because they what they will do for you is maintain the visual and the lighting continuity uh, the movement continuity of of the film for you so that the film feels like it's one piece it's not you know several different movies edited together. Um, so I, I feel like that is my my um, uh, biggest contribution is just to give giving it to give it a coherence. So I wonder for you, like when you have to split uh, a scene like that into uh, a few days, uh, you need to pick up something. Do you do you make notes of uh, maybe what your lighting situation was, what the conditions were? How do you know that when you come back that you are still within that within that cohesive um is, is that the word cohesive or uh, uh, no that's not the word but you hopefully you know what coherence, i mean coherence coherence yeah uh, yeah. uh um, what is what is your process there or do you just have an amazing brain and you remember everything and all your settings and all your lighting and and you just pick up where you left off yeah i mean i, I think you can you can get away with a lot when you know how to cheat you know like <laughs> when, when you're you're when you're losing light get your wide shots done first and anything where you see the sky um shoot off that direction because it it is very easy to come back and shoot the other direction or shoot a tight shot and just get a little extra light in and and, and make it match mm-hmm. um, very good yeah yeah so we, to know we did that so we we came back and and we did another half day with uh, Una, the guy in the car and me, and actually the opening shot as well. The whole opening shot of him coming up on the road. Yeah. That opening shot and the lights coming on. That was yeah. another shot. The opening shot with him coming along the road and you were in the foreground throwing leaves in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and actually that was a road double for the double because we didn't want to go all the way out to photo again because we didn't have permission to shoot in our road again so we, that was actually a, a road double <laughs> near my house um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah the two leaves yeah that was a, you can really get into doing stuff like that i i really enjoyed being the leaf um handler. <laughs> but, cool. uh, also that shot that lovely shot again that was you that was gripping self gripping dop in on the back of the car um, the, the the shot of the light of the trees on the on the reflected on the glass of the car, which is which I think is the lovely shot. And that was also on our pickup day, mm-hmm. so it was a busy enough like morning actually like that. But but you know there 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 are things that you can do after the fact, and and I think we spoke about this as well about the edit. You know I I, I think when I get into the edit on the first day, I'm like oh my god, like I've missed so much, and I start making this crazy co- shot list of everything I think I need, and it's like the editor's like no wait, calm mm-hmm. down. <laughs> let's yeah. be sure don't get on the phone to Eleanor yet and then, like, <laughs> yeah. you know lo and behold like a whole week later even it's like your shot list is as down to a third of that because you've mm-hmm. probably got things and you don't need things so the worst thing is to do a reshoot and not and not shoot what's necessary um, mm-hmm. yeah wonderful well thank you I I I could go on and on uh, but we don't we don't have the time to do that in this one masterclass. 
So I've actually uh, prepared just a few uh, general questions uh, that I'm going to ask you now. And then uh, again, I said, if, if anyone here who's listening to us has any questions, please pop them into the chat or the Q&A um, uh, section of the Zoom window and I will gladly ask. But so just in general, when um, I presume there are a lot of, lot of uh, you here who are maybe um, uh, up and coming directors or DOPs. So Eleanor, and I touched on it the other day with you, what is it that you need to go into a project like as far as crew, who is essential for you? Who do you know you can't or don't want to make a film without when it comes to camera and lighting crew? Um, well, um, it's very important to have a focus puller because you, you, um, you need your, your, uh, shots to be in focus and you need someone to, to look after your equipment. Um, yeah. and then the focus puller will need a little bit of help. So focus puller could do with a clapper loader. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, a gaffer is very important, hugely important mm-hmm. and good to get on early to, to come to your, um, location reckies um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the gaffer usually could really do with a hand as well because the gear is heavy and there's a lot of lugging around so um the gaffer could do with a best boy and then a grip a grip mm-hmm. is also very important um mm-hmm. um and if if you're working with dollies and tracks the grip is going to need also an assistant mm-hmm. um and and then yeah maybe a camera trainee Mm-hmm. And what would you say, like, if you if you try to, uh, particularly for people who are shooting their first, second, third short films and they have minimal budgets, what happens, What what is the danger that, you know, could happen if you try to cut down on these, on these what, what we just said, essential yeah. crew members? Well, it takes a lot longer if, if you don't have to help. Um, and also it can kind of be dangerous, you know, if, if you don't have the right kind of person looking after your electricity, mm-hmm. um, you know, things can come tumbling down or people could get a nasty shocker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it can be a little bit dangerous to cut corners. So, so yeah. So there are just some essentials that, you know, you always need. Right. And, and maybe it's not always, you know, always the best to try to shoot a film in three people. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah I mean it can be done People it can be done. done actually um I, I, when I was introduced um um I was introduced to shooting dead meat I didn't shoot dead meat um Andrew Legg shot dead meat I was his assistant and it was just the two of us so I was his focus puller his gaffer his grip yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh did a little bit of b camera <laughs> and was that a fun shoot for you it, you know, actually, it really was. It, we like we were up in Leitrim and um, and uh, making a this zombie. Uh, Conor McMahon directed it. It was the first Irish zombie feature film. It was wow. really, It was it was the best crack. Like it was. <laughs> okay, yeah, we were all earning about two hundred and fifty quid a week or something like that. But <laughs> but it was yeah, fun times. Oh, I'm glad you had a good experience with that. When you're young and you have the energy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe, yeah, it's for the young ones. And what about you, Una? Who are the key people that, that you, you definitely know you need on set that uh, maybe you didn't with your first short or, yeah. Who do you know you don't want to do without? 
it's funny I know because you were saying that some uh, a lot of the directors kind of are, are producing you know and, and often when mm -hmm. you're trying to get it hard to find a producer or finding the right producer and I did produce and write Iha as well and it's actually I've, I've rarely done that like I'm co-producer on five letters but Roisin was the producer and he was great he was fantastic um but with Iha I uh, it was you know a smaller project turnaround time of sight and it was in Cork so it was like okay I didn't know a producer in Cork I'm going to produce it and where that hurt me actually was on the um the day when we were in my sister's house in that morning and it was like I just forgot like because I'm the person who's organizing lunch and I like I had to like make a call at something like 11 o'clock in the morning and I just totally forgot because I don't normally do that and sort of like then I was like oh shit like I was you know like I was like you know and I really felt it so I think if you the lesson there is I you know lesson is don't produce but 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 you know ideally if you are a producer or a co-producer on your own work make sure you have like a pm or you know someone on the day-to-day -day so that like you you can produce your prep you can produce your post but when you're shooting you know you might only be shooting for two or three days allow yourself to be the director and make sure you bring in someone um and so yeah that that you know but but as i say that was kind of rare um and as i i feel like looking back i got away with it because there's a lot of stuff i probably could have forgotten um mm -hmm. and uh, well, that's a brilliant advice yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, your first AD is a key relationship and, um, you know. What would know, you say about a script uh, continuity? Yeah, so I've just, I, I mean, it's probably because I want my, my deal, rightly or wrongly, I, I, I agree with everything Eleanor said. And on these shorter projects, I've tended to sacrifice continuity and sometimes even my second AD, which is sort of, you know, but I, I then I bring in choreographers. So I kind of spoil myself a little bit. So because I know I'm bringing in, I mean, most films don't have a choreographer. And in I work with Megan mm -hmm. and Jessica, so I have two because they're twins and they work together. Um, not always, but um, I love working with them both. So therefore, it's like, you know, how are you going to cut your cloth? You've brought in these two other crew members and they're really pivotal to the, these projects. They come in very early. So I kind of go, OK, well, I don't need continuity. And, you know, that's then hard on your editor sometimes, you know, as opposed to because they have to ultimately. But but I, so I, I kind of I, I, I'm excited to see what it's like to have a continuity person. I've kind of survived thus far without. Um, and you, you know we'd a good third on on five letters like you notice a good third um because things are just done and you're not looking for things you know and your first is actually chatting to you and it's like wow there's a really good third out there somewhere doing a terrific job so you always feel it when you're being supported mm -hmm. if you come home after a happy day even if it's been by the seat of your pants with the light or whatever it's because you've had a great crew and sort of you know, like the, the 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 people you take out, you can have good people when you've less money who can multitask. I know some of you will need to do that, but it's sort of like um uh, if you can um you know because the worst is if you have if you're relying on someone and they're not into the role. So like I couldn't find anyone to do sound, so I'll do sound and they're really not into it. Like that's hmm. hard, you know. So um but but um so it's all give yourself twice as much prep and um, to find people like it's always a bit of a scramble trying to find people um hmm. at the last minute but uh I just, yeah brilliant brilliant yeah. Yeah. your your hod your designers of course like they'll always work with a i haven't always worked with a production designer actually but again it depends on what you need mm -hmm. um we mm -hmm. had a designer and the cast worked with the cast directly which was kind mm -hmm. of um again just part of that process we worked for many months together working on the choreography so well a couple of months anyway 
So it was like as part of that, asking to bring in a color palette of costumes. So there are ways around it. You just, you either need time or money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, not money. So. Okay, good. So yeah. if, if it's not the money, then time and, and prep, prep, prep. Okay. And uh, I'm going to ask you, I have more questions, but I'll ask the last one now. Um, when, uh, Eleanor, when someone comes to you with a script and they say, how much is it going to cost? <laughs> they want to know the budget for, from your end for uh, equipment and lighting and all that. What do you, at which point can you give uh, some sort of idea how much it's going to cost? Um, it's kind of impossible to know how much something's going to cost until you get into the space that you're going to be filming in because you might have an idea of, of how a scene's going to look and then you get into the space and you've got huge big windows to contend with that either need to be blacked out or you need big lights. Mm -hmm. um, so you can never, like, it's the same with, like, you know, you're, you're sometimes asked for a light list or an equipment list. Yes. Um, before you've seen the locations and it's it's just it's, it's kind of impossible to know what you're going to need until you get you get in there you know unless it's a bigger budget thing where you can afford to have a truck and yeah. enough gear in it to cover any eventuality but like on you know in short in the world of shorts you, you do kind of need to, to to get into the location before you can even begin to know what you're going to need yeah. I think mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very good and uh yeah, that's that's one thing I, I often come come across is uh, how, how much uh, lighting and equipment do you need, and can you give me the budget so I can send it off to a short film call? <laughs> you know, so I guess Una for you, I, I when I spoke to you previously, you said something great, and it said um, if someone asks you for a budget, you say I'd love to give it to you, but I. I in order for me to do that, I'm going to need to see locations and then I'll expand on the budget all, all you want. So you kind of yeah. feel the same as Eleanor, right? Yeah, I think what you're saying is, you, you know, there's no need to apologize for being professional about it. What you're saying is very rational, very reasonable. And so if you're asked for something, it's like, absolutely, I can do this. And, you know, you, you know, but let's let's bring bring me images to begin with and I can have a sort of a, a general eyeball on it. And then let's go to the locations and find out information like where are your sources, where's power, you know, and then and then I guess, you know, what is the cloth that you have to cut? And, mm -hmm. you know, COPs when they hear that already are like computing in their head. OK, wow. Well, I've just thrown out half of that idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But we do this cool thing and sort of. um you know if it feels like a pressure always sort of try to kind of um uh, deflect that back so it's a shared thing because mm -hmm. i you know i don't think you should have to ever do something like, like gauge that without being ready to do it you want to do it mm -hmm. in an informed way and that's being really professional <clears throat> mm -hmm. wonderful yeah okay th well thank you so much for answering my questions i've got a few here from our listeners so i'm gonna dive right into it thank you all that have stayed with us this uh, all this time um uh Ro roisin carney uh is asking Matthew. or saying uh so lucky to have work on both feature and short uh with eleanor ah. and and can attest to her making the right calls on set well there you go that's your endorsement uh, <laughs> with many series now being directed by more than one director, is it up to the DP to be uh, the consistent eyes, even with directors doing extensive pre-production? 
the question. Eleanor, that was at you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it's your job as a DP to, to like the style is, is the consistency. So it's important to keep, you know, the, the, the look um from uh from episode to episode so yeah i i guess you are the kind of um the driving force there where it comes to mm -hmm. the continuity of of the look of of, of a series and hopefully you're paid to to oversee all of this right <laughs> you're not just brought in a day before you start shooting but, um, that would be actually another conversation I'd like to have just with you as far as when do you bring in the DOP and what do you pay them for and do they come into the post-production and uh, what about color grading? Yeah. But that's, that's another, uh, another masterclass. Um, another question here from Patricia Kelly. Hi guys, this is really informative. How much of a discussion do they have with each other I presume the two of you are a director and DOP, uh, in terms of hiring equipment, bearing budget in mind. Um, is this just discussed with the producer or do they discuss this initially, initially in terms of what they want to achieve from the very beginning? Thank you, Patricia. Would like to jump in. I mean, I think with Iha, like I was working with Eleanor and we we're, you know, it was lower budget than five letters. We we were going to work with your camera. And I know that lighting was the key question, whether we could afford the gaffer we wanted and the lighting. And actually subsequently, he still looks good though. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, and then I mean I think on five letters, Roshim is very involved in that process. So Eleanor and I would have our creative conversations, and then you would have a conversation with Roshim. I think is that is that fair to say? Or Eleanor, can you yeah. hear me? Sorry, sorry, you were breaking up a little bit. Oh yeah. sugar, sorry guys, am I breaking up? Um, is that any better? <laughs> yeah. Would you mind? Would you mind just repeating what you said? I was thinking that, like, what have I just said? Everyone's gone very quiet. I don't think I said that. Um, sorry, everyone. I'm in West Cork. Um, what what I remember about Iha, because I, I was producing and Eleanor, we were working with her gear. So from the get-go, it was like, she's going to shoot it. And one of the things that we did discuss was lighting and wanting to get certain things in and certain equipment. And there was someone we talked to work with who was a gaffer and had gear. And in the end, we couldn't afford it. Like it was just one of those ones. It was like, you know, mm -hmm. maybe on another show with a bit more money, you would have. So we didn't. So then you, Eleanor, had to be really creative. And I think was incredibly creative. Gear. I remember you were. I remember not remembering that. That like on that day you were like, oh, I really had hoped to get a light, you know, because you 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 wanted it, and and yet like it wasn't like it was like two seconds, and then it's like, okay, we've got this. Let's make this work. You know what I mean? So, um, and then on on five letters, Roisin Garrity was like the producer. So as far as I remember, we had our creative chats about what we wanted to do, and you know different bits of equipment, and then you have have a you know you probably have a chat with Roisin where Roisin comes back to me. In those currently rein it in. <laughs> what have you been saying? That's sort of the, the healthy circle of 
of love, I suppose, mm-hmm. where, no, I mean, mm-hmm. Roisin, as I recall, always just wanted to give us what we want, you know, but, you know, sort of within the parameters of what we had. So, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think I was hands-on, sorry, the lighting here. It's okay. Speaking <laughs> of, um, um, if you had a good gaffer yeah, now, you wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> there you go so yeah Eleanor like how how like uh, how how soon does the producer come in as far as your budget like do you share your budget with the producer right away or do they tell you this is how much we have or and try to fit your equipment into that or with with me mm-hmm. um it varies a bit from project to project like quite quite often um I'd, I'd give a list and then it's like, no, we can't afford that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think like originally when I first read the script uh, for Five Letters, I think I might have thought it would be nice to shoot on film. We <laughs> 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 shot this on 16 and, and then, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it was like, the reality is like, you're yeah. shooting this on your own kit, Eleanor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So basically, in order to achieve what you want to do with with Una or any director, um, this is you, you kind of come up with the list. This is what I need to achieve what we've just discussed, this vision. Mm-hmm. And then a producer says, can't afford it. So then you have a discussion with the director. What can we amend or what could be possibly give up and replace, right, to, to make it fit? Is that how, how the uh, process goes? Um, we, we might pare down the list a little bit yeah like I've never been left short too short mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you, you might have to make a few sacrifices but That's, yeah um, would you walk away if it was cut down too much <laughs> huh <laughs> up to which point do you stick around uh, as soon as I say I'll do a project I'm kind of committed I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk away easily. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. All right. Um, are there any questions that I should have asked you to and I didn't, and you wish I did? No, I mean, I just on the end of that, I'm just because it's always easier for me anyway to, to remember a specific example. And it's coming back to me. We had this cool idea. Do you remember? And then I even put it in the script. It came out of a discussion with you in the, the bottom of the brain, if you like. So the camera's on the track, but it's like right in front of the podium. Uh, looking up which is an angle we shot from but there was this idea do you remember it's like the brain coming to life so you were like I can get this thing where the camera will go swirl around to be able to do a full rotation and then it was like oh my god that sounds really exciting and then we looked into it and it was just like it was it was going to be too expensive I think to do that and we had to kind of go um like we'd really love to do it, but like for that one moment, and that's where you have, that's probably where we were like, well, what if you put like actors twinkling lights and went in frame rates? Like, I think that creative process was related to if you had all the budget in the world, an idea. And maybe that's a good example too of sort of Eleanor thinking through how she could do something that's in a script in a creative way by talking about that and then ultimately realizing we can't afford to do it that way but the ideas come to life such that it starts to open other other creative mm-hmm. solutions do you know what I mean and mm-hmm. um, do you remember the thing I'm talking about what's it called this no because <laughs> like so do you remember the bit in the script it's sort of like the bit when her brain is coming to life and I think um um it was the idea that 
you could get this fitting on the above the tripod below the camera that would allow the camera it would make it feel like ah yeah that's what it was it would make it feel like the camera not just like a 24 or sorry 360 degree pan but actually that the camera was going up as it went around mm -hmm. yeah. okay oh like i was looking for a, like a, a dolly with a hydraulic arm was it so that we could we could jib up yeah. as we Hmm. Yeah, sounds like it. So you could jib up as it went around. Yeah, was it just a hydraulic arm? I thought it was something else. Cool. Yeah. So that that was what we couldn't. <laughs> well, I actually, you know, um, I haven't thought of that at all. Like, I, I actually don't miss that at all. It's just yeah. you know, to me as an example, maybe of quite a bespoke bit of kit in a short of that. Not bespoke if you're doing something bigger, but in 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 a short of that sort of. Yeah, with those mm -hmm. parameters and, it and sort nice. of it not being the end of the <laughs> Yeah. Uh oh, now I've reminded her of you know what she did. It would have been nice. have opened with. up options to you know do slightly different shots and stuff like that, but yeah. <laughs> I do like a good old yeah. <laughs> Una, you are breaking up more and more now. Anyway. Uh, I think maybe it's a sign that uh, we've we've reached uh, the end of our uh, masterclass. Um, so with that, I would like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us, for joining me, for saying yes to this. I really looked forward to it for a year and, and I, I could not have chosen two better women, uh, an amazing DOP and a director. Thank you so much. Um, thank you to everybody that uh, took part, that tuned in. Um, I uh, uh, appreciate you. Uh, as the women in film and television, we really love our members. Uh, please uh, be in touch with us. Let us know what you'd like to see from us um, in the next year. So, Eleanor, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> I might. I might have you back just for a DOP event. Una, uh, thank you so much as well. Thank you so much for having us. As always, many thanks to the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland for sponsoring this event. If you'd like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland or see the work we do, log on to wft.ie.